The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 27th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trace Scott. I'm about to bring in Barton Simmons, the National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports, who's also the Director of Scouting. So Barton this week was given a simple, yet daunting, assignment. Hey, Barton, come up with a list and name college football's top assistant coaches. It's not like Barton doesn't know who the top assistant coaches in college football are, but he hates being a front runner. So he spent a day thinking that this list would be about choosing guys nobody's ever heard of and just calling it a next wave of star assistants. And that will be a good idea at another time. But Barton eventually circled back around and decided, yes, all right, I got to whittle this list down from 100 to 15. And I really do have to choose college football's best assistants. And that story now is live. Barton finalized it. And you can find it at 247sports.com. So I had Barton on the podcast and we had an interesting talk about this. And there's a lot of different ways to go because you got like 15 names. And we started with by asking, okay, we got a few 60-year-olds here, a few lifers, a few coordinator lifers. Which of these guys won't ever be head coaches? Got a few young guys on the list, a few 30-year-olds. Which of these guys will eventually be head coaches and how soon will that be? What fits around the corner are opening up for college football's best assistant coaches? Barton even gets so excited about the content material that he will stop my attempt to end the interview so that he can keep talking about his list of the best assistants in college football. Let's get to the interview. All right, we've got Barton Simmons in here now going through his list of the best assistant coaches in college football. Barton, I know the last few days you've sort of been like really thinking about this list and kind of how you wanted to construct it. And when you're talking to assistant coaches, there's a lot of different ways you can go. Like we do the 30 under 30 at 24 seven sports, which is like the rising stars and all that stuff. But when push came to shove, how did you conceptualize this list? Well, you guys gave me kind of this, this almost too blank of a slate. Like I didn't get any direction here so I could take it anywhere I want. And so it was a little bit of a, uh, um, I, you know, I, had, I had so much slack that it was hard to, to narrow it down. And so I kind of decided to go with this, you know, instead of getting too into the into the weeds on sort of the rising stars and, you know, where to draw the line on that, what that means, I just sort of went back to the just whole, all right, who are the best assistant coaches in college football? And, and obviously, like, that is a list that's typically coordinator heavy, typically power five heavy, and... um I'm, you know, I'm sure that there's there's some non-power fives that I missed, and maybe some position coaches that that uh, deserve to be on the list that maybe didn't make it. Um, but you know, ultimately, these are guys that are a lot of them are going to be head coaches in the next few years. A lot of them are defensive coaches because most of the 
great offensive minds are not offensive coordinators. They're head coaches, and they're in, and they're calling the offense from the head coach chair. So um, I don't know. It's this is a tough list to come up with, and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I left some really quality candidates off. And in fact, I could have made this list 15 men longer. Uh, but you got to kind of draw the line somewhere. Yeah, you've got like a dozen or so guys on here. How many names did you sort through? Oh, uh, like gosh. You, you know, go there's probably, your... there's, you know, again, it depends wow. on where you cut the li- line off. But there, I mean, there's a good, I'd say five to 10 that I would have been comfortable putting on this list. Maybe didn't quite have the, the name recognition yet. Um, and, and maybe not quite the skins on the wall, uh, more hunchy on my end. And so I'm just kind of let, let the guys prove it before they really get in this this uh, top tier. Well, we'll break it down. And I said, wow, because he was scrolling through his work notes and had quite a few more names. I'm going to reverse engineer this. Let's talk about the guys on this list who we don't think are going to be head coaches okay. in the future. Okay. Uh, is that a question? Like, who do I not think is going to be well, head coach I, in the I'll future? I'll throw out Kevin Steele, Auburn defensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, I feel like his name has finally got it floated a little bit for a couple of gigs. And so I wouldn't rule it out for him, but certainly it seems like he might have moved into that, I don't know, Bud Foster sort of realm of just, man, great defensive coordinator, but um, getting a little longer in the tooth. And so who's who's going to make a run at him? Is he really going to go to a group of five program? Like, I mean, you really got to have a power five job to jump from an Auburn defensive coordinator spot and um he's just not one of the kind of up-and-comers so I don't know I, I, we'll, we'll see but yeah it certainly seems like and Don Brown of Michigan is right. sort of in the same same boat uh in that regard I mean Don Brown is man I mean he's he's unbelievable and I kind of wish he would be a head coach because I think that just his energy is certainly belies his age uh so I, I'd kind of like to see him in that chair but Seems like he's he's pretty content trying to um, trying to push this thing forward at Michigan. Yeah, Don Brown, I kind of thought would get a little bit more buzz for the Boston College job. Kevin Steele, he's uh, actually former Baylor head coach back, way back in the day. That's right. Did you know that? I, I mean, my, it's like, been my, so long my ago. My first memory I, of Baylor like being absolutely trash. I think he won one Big Twelve game, and I was always so surprised as the years wore on that Kevin Steele's stock would climb and climb because I regarded him as the worst head coach I'd ever witnessed. But Baylor was a different job back yeah, then. College football was different back then. That was back when I was playing. That's a, that's, that's a long time ago. But he, he's, I mean, he's had such an interesting career because he so, he's had some peaks and he's had some real valleys. Uh, I mean, he was... He was Clemson? the guy that got the score run up on him by West Virginia at 70-something points uh, as a Clemson DC. And uh, I think for a minute he really kind of there was some doubts about him as a DC, but man, I mean, he is really, I think, I think, I mean, he's been as integral to Auburn success, maybe as anybody in that program other than the Gus Malzahn. And I, I think you got to kind of tip your cap to him at this point. Well, let's pivot there. That was a good segue by you. So he gets a score run up by him on him by West Virginia in the orange bowl and Clemson Dabo Sweeney decides he needs to make a move, brings in Brenton Venables, who you've got atop this list or at the top of it, whatever. 49 years old. I'm surprised at how young he is. He was actually hired when he was 29 years old to be Oklahoma's co-defensive coordinator. So, and that's why like Brent Venables has been a public figure for so long. He was so young. Do you think he is one day going to be a college football head coach? I think one day he will be, but it's got to be the right gig. He's got, I think, what, two sons in the program now at this point. 
I have a hard time seeing him leave. Like if this list was the top candidates to be head coaches next year, I'm not even sure if I'm I've got him on there because I'm just not sure he's that anxious to leave right now. I think he'll be a head coach someday. I think he probably is singularly the best assistant coach in college football right now. Just in what they do year in year out defensively, the way they can change personnel, change scheme, in a lot of cases do what they do with talent that maybe doesn't match up to some of the the powers they meet in the college football playoffs uh I mean don't get me wrong they have their fair share but I don't think one to eleven uh they they recruit the same sort of blue chips that you might see it on Alabama or Georgia and so I just I think what's remarkable what he does so yeah I think that that day is coming uh, but for now, I think he's going to keep on keep on playing for national titles at Clemson. He's one of two two million dollar coaches we have on this list. The other one is Mike Elko at Texas A and M. I believe that if, if the stats are correct that I've pulled here, the other Clemson coach Tony Elliott. He's now the sole offensive coordinator after Jeff Scott leaves for South Florida. Do you see this guy as another one who, in a few years' time, or maybe even next off season, would be considered a hot name? Uh, yeah, I think he's already a hot name, and and when you know that. I've never met Tony Elliott, but I've but everyone that's been around that program and has walked through those that building and and met with those those coaches comes away raving about Tony Elliott. Um, and so, I think Jeff Scott obviously played a role in their success offensively. But Tony Elliott is is I, I think been if not the guy, um, certainly as big a contributor as anybody. And he can recruit. He's relatively young. He is obviously Clemson has just been continuing to click on all cylinders offensively. There's just not much missing there from the Tony Elliott resume. So whenever that that head job opportunity that that kind of scratches his itch comes up, I mean it's he's going to bounce because he's he's definitely going to be a head coach, and I think will be a really good one. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. All right, I have a few more things I want to ask you. There's like a young wave here of coaches I'm looking at. Alex Grinch at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Clark Lee at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. Graham Harrell at USC. All right, you had to put money on it. Who's a head coach the fastest? I'd say, uh, you know what, I, I, Alex Grinch maybe feels like a guy that's, that's, that's close. Um, but you're confident all three probably will be. I think there's no doubt all three will be head coaches. I think the, the key is, you know, for those guys – I think there's, I mean, the head coach, it's all about fit for it, for all these. I think they're all smart enough coaches to understand finding the right fit. And so I think it's just sort of about what jobs come open. Um, you know, Clark Lee was a finalist for the Boston College job. Like, that's a great fit for Clark Lee. You know, I, I think Alex Grinch would have been a great fit at Colorado. Um, but for whatever reason, they didn't go that direction. Um, Graham Harrell obviously offensive guy with air raid background probably needs to go to a place that is kind of has an environment that's comfortable going that route I mean it's so it's it's about fit for those guys I think they're all capable right now to me um you know Graham Harrell if anyone maybe is the one that's I guess has 
you know, still has a little bit to prove because he probably he's the youngest of that bunch. Yeah, Only his first year in a, in a Power Five conference last year. Uh, there's very little doubt about Graham Harrell's chops. Uh, I, I think it's going to be another really strong year offensively for USC. But uh, but in terms of just the magnitude of the job, getting comfortable in a in a big time program and and the demands of a head coach chair. Um, you know, I, I, he may need maybe another year seasoning at USC, but but all those guys, it's it's just a matter of when, not if. Also, in that young tier that I should have mentioned, Cincinnati's Marcus Freeman, who I have to be honest, I had never heard of until you submitted your list, and then Wisconsin's Jim Leonard, who obviously I've heard of, stacks together elite defense after elite defense year after year. Last question, Barton, Steve Sarkeesian, you have on here. Did you have to think about it? Yeah, that, this he's probably the last guy on the list for me. Um, Look, I mean, he's. I think he gets a bad rep, and I think he's like. I think Bama fans realized when he almost took the Colorado job. I think Bama fans started to finally realize what they. But how they do were. you? How do we evaluate Steve Sarkeesian? Like that's that's the hard thing with here. I mean, like look at the personnel they played with last year. I mean, Alex Leatherwood on one side of the offensive line, Jedrick Wills on the other side. Both guys probably first round draft picks. Uh, they've got probably four first round draft picks at wide receiver they have definitely a first round draft pick at quarterback they have multiple NFL running backs I mean who is not going to be successful with that personnel and Steve Sarkeesian is I mean he comes from the NFL but I got you know Atlanta Falcon fans aren't exactly sad to see him go um he you know I think that, you know, his last assistant coach success came at USC in which I think he deserves a lot of credit for that and that's Obviously, what he sort of springboarded oh, into like, his head coach. Like four, yeah. Wow. I mean, but, but I mean, think like, yeah. since then, it's been it's been head job at Washington, head job at USC, um, and so I just I like, guess it's just hard to to really measure his body of work as an assistant um, because he's only you know it's 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 kind of limited in sort of a modern college football sense. And and how do you measure anybody that's an offensive coordinator at Alabama? Um, it's uh, I think you take that you know. You'll play with that stacked deck if you're an Alabama offensive coordinator. Like that's you're not complaining, but at the same time, uh, it it is a little bit. It almost diminishes your value because I mean those guys are just there's just so many dudes to work with. I brought this up on this podcast two days ago, and Connor was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And I want to ask you since you know you're here, what's the what's the level of heat on this take if I said Steve Sarkeesian is the heir apparent at Alabama? Is that outrageous? Is that silly? Am I getting too swept up in the Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, and the I think Steve Sarkeesian redemption mode? I think that I think that's that's hot. Okay, I think that's hot. Do you? I mean, do you? Is that a belief, or is that are you just sort I've of shopping it, the take a little I've, bit? I'm kind of shopping it around after he, hearing from some Alabama people, some some people on the message boards and all that stuff. Just kind of shopping it around. See, I, I think that his like Washington people don't have like fond memories of the Steve Sarkeesian era. USC people don't have fond memories of the of the Steve Sarkeesian era. And if you're going to replace the legend Nick Saban, like why do you have to go with someone that's been just kind of okay at a couple other major college stops? So I I, I would imagine Alabama would uh would 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 shoot for the stars a little more than that. Well, maybe they'll get someone on this list. Thanks for joining us, Barton. Can we talk about two other guys? Yeah. I think the two that we didn't mention. I'm sorry because you had a, such a clean close there. Oh, but I think the fine. two we didn't mention that I, uh, maybe we should have mapped this out before. Bill Biedenbaugh, 
and Larry Johnson are the only two on here that are position coaches and not coordinators. I thought about asking you about Larry Johnson. And, and Bean Ball, I guess, is, a, is a, technically an offensive coordinator, but uh, Lincoln Riley calls the plays. But I think what he's done at off, on the offensive line, and when you look at you know Sam Pittman now, offensive line coach, head coach, uh, Mario Cristobal, offensive line coach, the head coach, you know Ryan Silverfield on the group of five level, offensive line coach, the head coach, like some of the best in the country are now head coaches. I think Bill Biedenbaugh is probably the best offensive line coach out there remaining. Um, and you know, I know there's some other good ones, but he, he certainly is, uh, has really strong chops there. And then Larry Johnson, what he's done just on the defensive line at, at Ohio State um, is just has been pretty remarkable, um, the, the stretch he's had. And you can, you can make the case for Kerry Coombs at Ohio State, the cornerback. Uh, I mean, you can, that, that staff is so loaded. Uh, but I, I think Larry Johnson is sort of a legend on the defensive line space and uh, uh, you know, kind of earned his way on this list as well. I'm excited to see what Larry Johnson does next. We've gone Bosa, Bosa, Chase Young, obviously yep. several guys ahead of him. Maybe it's Zach Harrison. So yeah. now I will finally end this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. No, that was good. Did that work? Yeah. All right. So I'm finally allowed to end the podcast now. And that is going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you have a good idea for what we should be talking about on a show episode, leave that idea couched in a review. We're also on Spotify. For Connor Tapp, for Barton Simmons, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott, and we will see you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.